Your Property Podcast. Today is the 8th of December 2020. My name is Michelle Kearns, your host for today. And with us, we've got Ant Lyons, who's the co-founder of the magazine. So uh, interviewing the boss today. <laughs> Hi, Ant, how's it going? Yeah, all right. I was just thinking, yeah, it's, it's December. We've nearly made it through 2020. Um, Almost there, clawing our way through. <laughs> I can't imagine there'll be that many people who will sort of look back with fondness of this time and you know, disappointed to see the end of it so um and that's sort of what we're talking about today isn't it really I guess the kind of you know what it's been like for property people those in property um through this year and if we can what are things going to look like next year now I'm, I'm not one for making property predictions you know that's I think, you know, they're, they're proven almost to be 100% wrong, aren't they? You know, pretty much what <laughs> anyone predicts. But we, we will talk about some of the things that are going to influence, you know, the decisions that perhaps we're making, you know, individually in, in property sort of next year. So, um, yeah, so it's, perhaps we'll skip January and we'll go straight into sort of February and March of 2020. Yeah. 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 It's, and also, I just want to say, obviously, Although not, you know, who knows? We can't get crystal ball out there. But um, as obviously you've got the overview of what comes into the magazine, you've got your finger on your pulse of um, your connections as well across the UK, across different uh, different training companies, different industries, different. You, you you know you you must have so much data coming in through various sources, you know, not just social media, but um, yeah, what where should we start then? Okay, well, let's let's start by saying that actually, you know, I think once again, property people, mainly from the people I talk to, and I talk to hundreds of investors and developers and landlords, um, property people are resilient. You know, we're used to dealing with challenges, um, and that probably has stood people in good stead for for this year. Um, And it's been interesting kind of, you know, reading the magazine, creating the magazine to see those people who have survived those people who have thrived because there are people who've done that and spotted opportunities and generally sort of overcome the obstacles to come you know looks like we're going to come through this and um i've been doing this for the magazine and the sort of property investing side of things for about 15 years now and um it's interesting to see how people adapt to challenging times so i mean i know for me personally this sort of hit home back in march you know, the year that we're going through. I was I was in France at the time. France went into lockdown when I was out there um, and I had to sort of get a last minute flight and flee a ski resort at two in the morning. Um, it was a pretty stressful start to it. And I came back, I came back almost, you know, like those American preppers, you know, like, right, you know, get the shotgun by the door, stock up with food. And everybody else thought I was mental at the, the time. tuna, <laughs> tins of tuna on the go. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So um, so that was kind of, you know, and it was a really genuinely a very worrying time. You know, we had um, we, we had, uh, you know, we were being told that, you know, tenants could not pay their rent for many months. And that obviously is someone whose income is derived in no small part from rental uh, income. That was a very worrying statement. Um, I don't know about you. Is it? And everybody I spoke to at the time, we all felt the same. We were all concerned about what this was going to look and feel like. Yeah, I, I thought of it as we're all in the same storm, 
but we're all in different boats. So some people, depending on uh, how they were, their, their type of portfolio, their type of tenants were hit harder than others. Um, and some people were just unlucky with, you know, I, I was, I've been full pretty much the whole year. So I've been and now having a mass exodus at the end of this lockdown. But so far, in terms of the tenants paying on time, it's been okay. Whereas I know other people, they had, you know, people just not paying after the first lockdown. And obviously that impacted then throughout the, the rest of the year. So um I yeah, think, one of one of the, yeah. the one of the sort of um the statements that we made very early on and the sort of predictions that we made were people who had a portfolio that was made up perhaps of people who were um may maybe um in receipt of local housing allowance, kind of social housing tenants, they were going to be fairly well um insulated from the uh, uh, the adverse effects of this. And you know, I've got a, a, a reasonable portion of my properties are rented to that market, and I would say it's been pretty much uninterrupted same here um, you know yeah. touch wood um yeah. that, that, that's been really good um i guess people who are you know renting to tenants who are working in the sort of public sector probably been fit pretty well insulated as well yeah i think the most um, obvious one is the service accommodation uh yeah. and commercial units as well that have been hit yeah um, we're going to talk about commercial in a second i think because you know Commercial is, is interesting in its unique kind of challenges in the very different types of commercial investing. But yeah, serviced accommodation definitely hit very, very hard at the outset, without a doubt. Um, and then it seems to have been that depending what type of service accommodation you had, depending how badly you were hit. So yes. we had a, I, I spoke to many, many people who were renting sort of SA units in the sort of holiday markets um, you know, coastal resorts, those kind of places who had a terrible, terrible start to the year. And then without a doubt, the busiest summer they have ever had. I don't know if you, Michelle, or anybody listening to this, tried to book a place to <laughs> yeah. go on holiday in the UK um, <laughs> during that time. So as we came out of lockdown yeah. in sort of July time, it was, it was not easy. There was not a lot around and places were commanding premium prices. Um, but then we've got the sort of polar opposite to that, to the sort of city centre apartments and um, where people would perhaps do long weekends, go and see shows, go shopping. That really did get hammered, I think, throughout. You know, I don't think they even got the respite of the kind of bit between the yeah. two lockdowns. Yeah, it all depended whether they were able to pivot and do something creative, you know, with the sort of... Uh, letting out to NHS workers or or completely change their guest profile from holidaymakers to corporate for example if I think I've had it a pretty skewed outlook because I've only really been interviewing people who've uh, who've found creative ways so mm. it, it feels like it's been quite positive certainly from the people that I've interviewed the past year because they've all found a way to wait to, to work through it and that's obviously the stories that we've covered um whether whether they've pivoted or whether they've they've had the systems in place from day one to to buffer that storm mm. and they've set things up right they've not been too heavily geared or they've had a really a, a really strong cash flow buffer so even though that they were affected in their profit margins they're actually you know they weren't worrying about putting food on the table so I think I mean we definitely really we, we definitely saw I think some of the sort of rent to rent guys who were doing rent to yeah. SA 
keys got handed back to landlords, you know, and, and, and you can see why, you can see why that happened. Um, but it has been interesting to see, as you say, people, some people pivot, reposition the properties, perhaps rent them as, as you say, to NHS workers or, or as a, on, a, on a standard AST and just say, well, you know what, I'll take the hit on the cash flow for a while, make sure the mortgage is paid. Or, um, and um, I think people had to react very quickly when that happened. You can't, you can't drag your feet in that kind of situation. Yeah, it's um, like you say, if they, if they were able to change from the Airbnb style to a single let and that, you know, the way they'd structured the deal allowed them to do that they were okay but where they structured the deal that the rent they were paying to the owner was more than what they would get in from a tenant obviously you do that you times that by 10 and it's, it's well a I, I, I think that probably a lot of people had awkward conversations yes. with you know if you're doing rent to rent you've had awkward conversations with your landlords and some people might have had awkward conversations with their lenders um you know you, you, you've got to do what you have to do to survive and everybody feels a bit of the pain I think uh, I mean that's definitely sort of one of the things I've seen from this year is that you know the, the pain is shared a little bit isn't it whereas you know we own a couple of gyms and you know our landlords had to take a bit of a hit on the rent side of things because we were taking a hit yeah. so everyone shares the pain a bit and then the, the other side of property businesses are the developments so I know people <laughs> everything just stopped overnight with get materials and you know who can be on site who couldn't but how do you feel that that's panned out because I think pretty much out of all the industries the building industry has has been one of the better saved ones I I think they've been fairly well protected you know throughout people could work on site pretty much you you definitely had an issue with supply in in terms of getting materials you know I've lost count of the number of times of people posting that online of trying to get hold of plaster (laughs) you know just you know that 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 happened um I think there was probably some projects were delayed but no you know other than a month or so delay on it perhaps no bigger interruptions I I haven't heard of of funders getting particularly scared of of development funding being pulled on a project because of as a direct result of COVID I thought that's something we might have seen as as people got scared and that sort of leads us on to perhaps we'll come on to a minute on to sort of valuations and property prices and the you know making predictions of property prices next year I'm definitely not going to do that um (laughs) you know when we were talking in sort of March and April probably everybody was saying oh you know what's going to happen to the property market is going to collapse and you know all of the headlines this week have been about you know property prices of you know we're in the sort of fastest property market ever and and property prices have never been higher who could have predicted that that's one of the things that you know none of us would have seen I suppose yeah I think that's really saved people who have been in the middle of a project looking to uh sell on particularly rather than refinance but they've sort of come out of lockdown into this bubble and even though like you say there has been the delays I think for a lot of people that will have saved them even if they are maybe they're not getting all of their money out but there's you know the it's it's certainly not as dramatic a drop as as we thought it might have been so yeah it's, it's interesting the psychology of it I've no idea what happens I'm not a psychologist but you know what, you know it, perhaps it's we all got used to staying at home more and therefore we look at our surroundings and say well let's let's make sure we're living where we want to live 
um, you know, and stretch the boat a little bit and, and make the move to where we actually want to be. Maybe that's what caught what, what has caused that and sort of general home improvements. I think that's been a sector that's done really well. You know, yeah. <laughs> Garden fence paint. <laughs> yeah, they're sort of, you know, improve your home. You know, that they seem to have done B and Q and those kind of people seem to have done pretty well through all this. So uh, okay. So um when we talk about sort of property, what's happening in the property market, let's we'll move we'll tackle that at the end because it's who knows, you know. But commercial property um investing i I don't think there's there's very very few commercial landlords out there that won't have felt significant pain this year and and that will be ongoing um we we did a big feature actually on commercial investing in i think it was the october edition of of ypn's we talked about it and you know this week only this week we read about 25,000 jobs lost in the retail sector um you know that that retail environment has been hit so so hard and also the kind of office environment we've all got used to working at home I don't know I don't know anybody actually kind of from personally my sort of circle of friends who went from working in office to working at home who has gone back everybody is still at home um I don't think they even went back kind of in between the the lockdown see do you find the same same yeah and it's just indefinitely for the foreseeable future who knows when and if they will go back um haven't heard too many complaints about that to be honest but I know some people like the structure or the option to have some days in work but um I know a lot of people have preferred that it depends obviously if you've got kids and they're running around it's been it's not ideal but I mean you know most kids are you know if they're sort of school age they're kind of back in school now so you know we're back to a, a a more normal normality than we than we were seeing kind of from lockdown one definitely but um I mean I think there's there seem to be some commercial sectors that have been a, a little bit, bit better protected so for those people who are looking at sort of commercial investing and mixed use investing I was sort of skim reading some of those articles we produced in October early on about the sectors that have been hit, hit hardest and it it couldn't be clearer now than than ever then it, it, how important it is to understand your local market. Um, I don't think anyone would just go into commercial investing now and just say, well, I'll just buy a unit, uh, buy an office block. Um, some of those articles that we were reading from um, Kirsty and Susie very much seem to be sort of gearing towards the, the more sort of service sector, the, the, the sectors that can't be replaced by Amazon or another yeah. big player. So they're kind of, the florist, the hairdresser, the pharmacist, the place, places where really probably you do need to physically go in. And I think those places seem to have been fairly well protected. Yeah. Some of them will have felt the pain and some of those landlords will have felt the pain without, throughout lockdown, without a doubt. But if we assume that those businesses, individual businesses come through, then they'll probably be in very good stead going forwards. But that still leaves an awful lot of empty commercial units. Yeah, and what, what do you think that, obviously before all of this happened you know everyone just had their eyes on uh, it felt like anyway everyone had their eyes on commercial units to turn to resi and that was always the um you know ever since the since the planning changed a couple of years ago that was the um i don't know the, the golden nuggets everyone was looking for um do you think people are still looking at that with the intention of converting them to residential still or is it suddenly 
well, there's going to be a massive oversupply and therefore we're not going to get into it. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one because, again, that's going to be so regional, isn't it? So locally focused on a street by street basis, really, as to what the demand is in your particular area. Um, personally, I think there's always going to be a demand for reasonably priced um, accommodation for people to rent one bed and two bed flats in the areas that I invest. You know, if I talk to the sort of the, the, the council sort of housing department, those are the properties that they, they just cannot get enough of. And I would imagine going forwards, the sort of increased demand for affordable places to live will always be there. Um, but we've, you know, we, we do see occasionally, I guess we've seen in sort of, you know, some of the big cities where you get massive blocks of flats go up and, you know, 200 apartments hit the market at the same time, mm -hmm. you see a glut of supply. Um, but I'm not sure those always tick the box of the affordable housing necessarily. You know, that's no. tended to be the sort of, in inverted commas, luxury apartments. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, smaller, you know, would I build 400 flats now to rent out? Probably not because I, I'm, I'm filling 400 flats would fill me with horror anyway. <laughs> um, you know, you're not going to do it quickly. Would I build four or 10? Yeah. In the right area and knowing the market without a doubt. Um, and we're going to have to see some, some of those changes happen. Otherwise we're going to be stuck with thousands of empty buildings and it's difficult to see how else they would be repurposed. So mm. it's definitely what I'm looking at now, you know, the, the, the suitable buildings, I think we're probably going to be able to buy them cheaper than we've ever bought them before because people will be offloading some of those. Yeah. Um, yes, there'll be more people looking, but let's be honest, most people don't have the sort of finances behind them or the skill set in place necessarily to buy yeah. a million pound building and spend yeah. another two million converting it, whatever it is. So um, what about you? Something you're looking at? Um, we've just done a block of five flats and... Um, due to that's due to be complete next week so we'll see what happens there uh, and I feel like that's uh, I'm really happy with that and it's a uh, you know my portfolio is diversified so I've got some flats some HMOs mixed commercial single lets so I'm happy with how it is at the moment I you know if I'd have just done a student HMO I, would, I don't think I'd feel quite the same um but yeah and that, that, that's the market we haven't even touched upon is it the student market and that has been you know what a strange market to be in um I was doing these interviews kind of in probably April late April talking to letting out student letting agents and student landlords about the conversations that they were having with a the tenants who were in place at, at that point who wanted to go home and wanted to get out of the contracts they were in and also the, the, the incoming tenants who'd be sort of taking possession from from sort of June July time to move in, in in what is now the sort of September October that's just gone and I think in the main in the main most of those landlords have actually come through this most of the students have gone to university they haven't stayed at home to to study um have you found the same thing talking yeah to i think the worry is for next year so i've been speaking to some landlords in the past couple of weeks who've got just student portfolios and one for example i think they've got about 200 rooms on their books and they said they had three empty rooms for currently which is obviously fantastic but it's uh their challenge was the students didn't want they were looked into sign up for next year whereas normally they would have stayed 
on in the same house. So the reluctant to sign up, but that means that the agents can't, you know, do they go and, and can market that house and get somebody else to commit um, for the next year when the reality is everything's online now. You know, they're, they're not necessarily comfortable with having groups of six individuals in a house where there's already tenants. So I think the they're certainly not feeling very comfortable for the for, for you know booking. They, they, they're going to find out in the next month or so, yeah. really, because this is this is actually the point that yeah. um, start looking at properties. Kind of December, January, you know, a lot of the time they're looking at um, the properties for the sort of following academic year. And I would hope, I would hope that a lot of those people, you know, would you know, start the vaccination process today. Um, so people will be looking at going, well, hopefully a return to, you know, something akin to normality in September next year. We shall see, I guess. Yeah, one thing I've noticed is just that a few of the landlords in my area have just decided to sell up for their student properties. So you've got a lot of very tired, dated HMOs on the market. Uh, not particularly uh, discounted. A lot of them are still holding out for what they think it's worth, mm. which is you know i think they're going to have to realize at some point that when it doesn't sell that they need to bring their prices down um but that's my my concern is perhaps all of those student properties being converted to professional and then flooding the kind of professional market lowering the rents there so that, yeah. i don't know it's going to be interesting time or maybe they'll just be repurposed as students and when everything picks up again next year you know, they're, they're back in for the student game. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because in many ways, sort of COVID has sort of, you know, just uh, kind of pushed things forward a little yes. bit. Because actually yeah. over the last few years, we've seen we've seen the sort of high street dying or declining. And on the student side of things, we've definitely seen a sort of move to quality anyway. Yeah. So um, the areas, you know, the student areas sort of shrunk as, as more purpose-built stuff has been mm. built. And so anything that's on a sort of peripheral area or not a premium offering has been... Um, perhaps just you know they might have filled it but you've been kind of competing on price rather than on quality so the you know every year dropping each room by like five or ten uh, uh, you know a, a week or a month or whatever um, so in many ways that's been happening anyway and yeah. this has sort of served to just get those landlords to kind of make a decision that probably they were going to make. It's definitely accelerated uh their decisions absolutely no doubt about that and hmos in general has been a kind of interesting environment this year as well because we there's some very unique challenges and having four or five or however many kind of unrelated parties sort of living in a household together yeah. and the stress is you're working from home maybe people some people you know been there all the time or or you know the sort of anti-social side of things or even the social side of things of living as a household is is a challenge and also people may be getting a bit dissatisfied with looking at the same sort of four walls and saying, well, I could, you know, if I am employed, I can stretch the budget a bit and maybe a move to quality there as well. But that's sort of tempered with some people having to economise. So we've seen a sort of shift within the HMO market um, uh, as well. Um, I, I personally, I think there's always going to be a demand for decent quality, affordable accommodation. Yeah. Um, whether or not it's flats or apartments, whether or not it's in an HMO, which is a desirable one, if it's affordable to people and it's reasonable quality, I think, you know, I always think there's going to be that demand there. Um, it, it, it depends how much oversupply there is of people trying to compete for the same thing. But Yeah. And also if people have got city centre HMOs where 
people would normally normally be living in the city centre for work, they're no longer needing to do that. So is there a is there a shift to moving out of the city centre for accommodation as well as work? Yeah, that's a really interesting. I mean, I I live very rurally, you know, as you as you know, and um, you know, it's difficult to sort of keep an eye on the sort of property market here because houses are you know a quarter of a mile or a mile apart. Not that many come up, but um, anything that has sort of been for sale in local villages or semi-rural locations seems to have sold very very quickly with a move to people wanting to move out of the city centres. <clears throat> but then I was looking at the stats this morning and even sort of in London, we've seen sort of price increases this year. So de- anecdotally from some friends of mine that sort of rent properties in London, sort of HMOs in London and some of the big cities, they have seen, you know, a reduction in the sort of the, the, the rents that they're realising and more vacant rooms than they've seen previously. So they've definitely had some real challenges. Yeah, again, it goes back to what are your numbers like what are your margins like if you can afford to drop the room rates and be more competitive I mean nobody wants to drop the room rates it's it's that theory of can you add more value elsewhere and keep the rents as they are um yeah or can you can you have a can you have a better offering you know with more outside space or different you know a more semi-rural location or whatever in a market town rather than a city center or whatever and come on premium rent because it's still affordable but it's where people want to live so yeah i guess it's i, I suppose if the, if people have already got the house in the city center what can they do to to add value and still make that uh their offers to the tenants appealing and competitive compared to everyone else um it's, it's definitely about being more creative at the moment and maybe having like an offer on to get them in or an offer on to get them on the phone and then uh, seeing what's important to them um is it the size of the room or is it the fact that um you know you've got to, uh, the spec and the you know the standard of the the place can you is there anything you can do to add value there um how are you feeling so generally how are you feeling optimistic where we are right now if you kind of look at where we were in uh, you know back in april i think everyone was kind of you know pretty terrified i think you know yeah with, varying degrees of terror probably and then we kind of got that nice bit in July where it felt like things were returning to normal and then we had sort of lockdown two and now we're sort of through lockdown two into this tier system um no one knows what's going to happen on the other side of Christmas will we stay in tiers will we go back into an, a different into another lockdown or a different kind of lockdown or will things gradually improve as the as, as the sort of vaccination sort of takes place how are you feeling now uh, I think you know the property journey has always been a roller coaster. <laughs> so you know, one minute you've got the offer agreed, next minute it falls through. It's all, so I've kind of been used to that up and down emotions for the past you know six years now. So uh, this year, on paper at least, and well, you know, it, it's been a good year in that I've got three project, three new, three new properties over the line, and an offer accepted last week. So. If I can come out of the year with four properties, to me, you know, <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle. Um, <laughs> and like you said at the beginning, to be in property is all about solving problems. It's all about that resilience, the determination to keep going um, and just try and figure things out as you go along. Yes, it would be very easy to hand the keys back and, you know, sell up and, you know, you don't want to deal with this, but 
what's the alternative? Go back to a day job that may or may not be there. Mm. So I think, you know, what the property has given me in terms of flexibility, uh, you know, a recurring income, you know, careful not to say passive here, but uh, flexibility and opportunity. That, so that passive income thing is an interesting <laughs> one, isn't it? Because there's a lot of criticism about the term passive yeah. income online. However, I always think that, you know, if you're making two or 300 pounds a month from a single let property or, you know, whatever, 500, 1,000 pounds a month from an HMO, generally speaking, that income, it's a, once you've got the thing set up and once it's running, it takes you a lot less time, input, working hours to generate that than it would in a inverted commas job. So I, I do believe in it. I do believe in the sort of passive yeah. income, but I'm not, you know, I'm also been doing this long enough to know it's not always passive. Not always passive, no, but it's definitely more passive than trading your time for money in the day job. And yeah. it just gives you more choice, therefore more freedom and more options to, to navigate your life in a way that you choose. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm feeling optimistic because I know that there's still people out there who have got problems that I can help them solve. Yeah. So, and I, you know, um, if, if, there's a, if there's a way that I can do that, well, then it's win-win on both sides. Um, so, you know, yeah, why not? Especially the sort of creative strategies like purchase lease options, for example. Um, you know, I've just signed one recently. It's a, a block of three flats and it's it was fully tenanted from day one, taking it on for five years. Owner's happy to just kind of get rid and hand it over. And I've been happy to take it on. Mm. So I think there's plenty of opportunities out there. If you have got your eyes open, you're looking for them, you're being proactive and you're consistent in what you're doing. So it, it's, yeah. Um, I think if, as long as uh, the most important thing for me is always setting the deal up right. Um, you know, I've learned many lessons now, so uh, it's got to be a no-brainer mm. for me. Um, where again, you, you know, you're structuring the deals right, and because the, of the way that I've structured most of my deals, when things have been more turbulent and the, the rent has been hit. I've been okay because of the the margin that I've had because of how I've structured it. So it goes back to what you're saying about, um, you know, have you got the house in the, you know, slightly more rural, bigger rooms and, and that kind of thing. So a lot of, a lot of, I think, future-proofing your business is about when you buy, what you buy, what, what the numbers are so that if anything, whether it's a global pandemic or, you know, a, a terrorist bomb or something happens, that actually you're in the best possible place that you can be in. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, we, we, we said earlier, we can't predict what's going to happen next year. There's no way, but you'd be foolish to not go into any property venture now or any venture without sort of de-risking it as much as possible. Yeah. You know, that's never been more important. We can't we can't sort of hope things will be sunny and that will kind of save a, a mediocre deal or, or, you know, make it yes. a good deal or a bad deal, make it meh, just about okay. We we have to sort of look at the sort of risk side of things a lot more and say, okay, well, what could go wrong? How do I, how do I prevent that? How do I sort of mitigate those risks? So, um, I mean, I look for, I, you know, I look at sort of 2021 with some degree of optimism without a doubt, you know, we're definitely going to face some things aren't going to change overnight. We know that it will be, you know, as I said earlier on, there's, I've got the, you know, 
we, we run a YPM magazine. That's had some challenges this year. You know, we normally go to 100 events a month um, with the magazine. Those haven't happened. Um, but that actually taught us to kind of market online. So we learned a whole new skill set there, which we just didn't know before. Um, as, as I said, we own a couple of gyms. Those, kind of one of those was brand new in November of last year. So in its first year of operation, in the first year, it was shut for five months. Um, you know, that's pretty painful. And we wanted to ensure that all the staff got paid throughout that time. Um, and, they, and they did. Um, you know, that's not, not easy. Um, but we see some real opportunities there as well. And if we're talking, coming back to the commercial property sector, you know, we're looking at um, can we buy some units now to establish sort of gyms, our new gyms in and expand the sort of gym portfolio? Because I think health and fitness will never be more important yeah, I agree. going forwards. Um, I agree. Uh, and again, it's one of the uh, businesses that has been allowed to operate and stay open when others have closed. And I agree going forward. Now, as long as people... yeah, now, now. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. for five months, it definitely wasn't. So, yeah. yeah, as long as the people have got the money to pay for it, you know, they've yeah. got that extra surplus. I think it's always, and I, I think I don't know, for a lot of people, it's the last thing to go because it is so important. Um, yeah, and I mean, for actually, for, for many of our um, sort of gym clients, it's their social life as well. Yes, it, it really is. And so, you know, there's premium pricing, actually, you know, a lot of our members pay £100 a month, near enough. It's, it's a chunk of money, but that's their social life as well. So yeah. you have to kind of factor that in. Um, you know, on the sort of property development side of things, we're looking at some commercial buildings right now. Um, not massive ones. I don't want to do 50 units or 100 units in one building, but five or 10 is, is, is OK. You know, again, mitigating those risks. What, what location? Just well here, you know. Just, uh, just down in the southwest here, you know. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't really sort of travel outside of the southwest very much. So you never know who's from... listening. So we might yeah. have something. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. So if you're from sort of Devon or Cornwall or sort of you know Somerset, North Somerset way, then you know you've got any commercial buildings that you think could be you know, on the market and repurposed, then yeah. let me know. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you, you know, they're, they're interesting ones as well because people are reluctant to sort of say, okay, I paid. A million pounds for it but now it's only worth four hundred thousand. <laughs> nobody wants to make that call but those yeah. are the realities aren't they so yeah well obviously like i said we, we're not going to do predictions as such but what do you think are um you know if you had to kind of put a stake in the ground what do you think are the better options going forward or yeah. what are you what would you consider let's say I, i've okay. got five five deals here yeah um what would you consider looking at? Um, I, I guess it depends where you are in terms of your risk profile and where you yeah. are in terms of experience. So let's start, let's say for people who are sort of relatively new into this. And I guess, you know, the, it's the same for people who've been doing this a while as well. You know, you want to de-risk stuff as much as possible. So for me, we, we did a, um, uh, an interview for one of our products, other products the other day, didn't we? Where I was sort of talking about my kind of buy we finance portfolio of relatively inexpensive flats which have been improved and are on the market to rent um, and have been rented out now some of those have been rented out to the same tenants without a void period for over 10 years now that's pretty low risk promote my profile you know lower gearing probably 50 60 percent gearing on it um, after we've improved it 
relatively high yield on the debt. Um, so, you know, not particularly affected by interest rates. So I think if, you know, if you want to sort of de-risk stuff, then, you know, that sort of entry into the market, stock fits always in demand. There's a queue of people who want to rent that property and might not be the best property in the market, might not be the best property in the world, but it's probably the one of the better ones in that niche market. So that, that I think is really important. I think probably anybody who's looking at the sort of holiday market side of things is going to come out of this pretty well as, as well. There's going to be an awful lot of us that carry on holidaying here in the UK. You know, we, as I said, we live really rurally as well. And I've got some friends who've got Airbnb units here, ranging from, you know, cottages down to um, sort of shepherd's huts sorts of things. And they've been full through, throughout this and are, and are full now. Um, I don't really see that changing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's always going to be those sort of opportunities. But again, it, it's knowledge of your local market. You know, I, I know it around here. I don't know where where you live. Well, what about for for you? Can you see what the opportunities are where you are? Um, I think well, I'm based up in Chester in the northwest, um, and I think the same in terms of Airbnb. You know, they've they they took they took the hit, but now again, I looked for something the other day, and it was like right September next year <laughs> um, for availability. So I think yeah, I think it, it, like you said. It depends where people are at and what people are looking to achieve. I think the danger is going for a strategy because it's the new trend or because there's a, a, you know, uh, a, a supply of them on the market at the moment, like commercial, but actually not having the experience or not willing to exchange that to, to all that. You know, it's, 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 it's too that's risky, really, I think. That's a really good point, actually, you know, because you... I think you put it really well there that, you know, people see an opportunity in commercial to resi possibly, yeah. possibly, but have no experience in it and, and perhaps not the time or, or, yeah. or willingness to sort of learn what you need to learn to do that. And just going after it because it's a possibility is, is dangerous. So sort of identifying which opportunities are most suited to you when you live and your, your skill set and resources, maybe that that's never been more important than. And also, just like I said before about diversifying, if it, if what you need is cash flow, well, you know, resist the temptation to look at a big development project that might take two years and you may or may not make a profit at the end of that, um, but there's no cash flow in between. So I think, you know, that idea of the buy, refurbish, refinance model where you are just getting that £200 cash flow, you're getting your, for people who are not, um, you know, starting out, or even even people who do have a portfolio, um, if you've got this is my personal opinion. If you've got ten HMOs, then why not look at the single let flat down the road that costs you well <laughs> up our, our way maybe fifty grand, hundred grand for the for yeah. the one bed flat. Um, or if you've got ten single lets, why not look at a HMO if you have educated yourself and you know exactly you know that it's the right location, the right for the right market and everything so uh personally for me it's more about de-risking by diverse in the portfolio mm. so that if something else happens like you say my single lets with tenants who uh, have lha benefits they've been fine the whole time so that you know that's a couple hundred quid every month that has just been steadily coming in um and yeah so to me it's more about the risk mm. Yeah, it's funny. I was sort of reading through some of our sort of recent articles about the sort of development side of things as well. And I'm thinking if I was going to go into new build 
now. Definitely not doing 30 houses in, in one go. You know, you know the, you've got to look at the sort of timescales of things of how long do I want to be in this deal? Any, any things that have got, kind of got two or three years, you know, till the exit, I'd really be kind of questioning that right now and and I'd be looking at okay I really want to be in and out of this team in sort of six months or 12 months or whatever it is you know where I can I understand the local property market I understand what's happening in it now I know that these these properties right now are kind of in demand at this kind of price bracket but I've no idea what will be happening three or four years time and those deals those very big deals and long deals can spiral out of control very easily so again sort of mitigating that side of the, the, the risk side of things yeah definitely and again it comes back to how you're buying it if you're jving with a landowner and they're putting the land in and it takes you you know six nine months to get the planning through then as long as you're not too exposed and it's a great deal and we go back to it being a no-brainer then why not so i think each deal is individual isn't it it's each yeah absolutely um, and, and as before we sort of wind this up as well and sort of you know wish everyone a kind of happy new year merry christmas so that, i think it's also important to sort of recognize that there's some people who have been really really affected by this you know on the, on the health side of things they've perhaps lost loved ones or they've been hit very hard you know themselves um by by this virus and you know we've, we've spent a lot of time sort of talking about the money side of things and what we do we don't want to um, you know, I just want to take a minute to acknowledge that, you know, for some people, this has been about this. This year has been about a lot more than just the financial side of things. Yeah. Um, so if you're listening and that's you, we generally feel for you, um, you know, and uh, yeah, it's been a tough year. Yeah. We, obviously, we're talking about putting a positive spin on what we can get out of this year and, and move forward with. But um, like you say, just for a lot of people, it's been about just surviving. <laughs> Yeah. just and, and, and not even just putting food on the table but just getting through every day and just keeping going and yeah you've made it you know here we are and and, and you know even, even those people who sort of not been affected in that way yeah i guess we've all learned what's actually really important to us and things that we've missed this year and sometimes it's been really simple things like hanging out with friends or whatever you know going to the pub with a, a group of friends maybe going on a holiday you know i've definitely missed those this year <laughs> i don't know about you <laughs> definitely definitely it's not quite the same on zoom is it unfortunately so i'm definitely looking forward to seeing friends and family more in uh, in person well we've got i know i've got you know quite lots of ypn team i haven't seen for a year now yeah and that seems crazy and right now we'd normally be having the sort of you know our ypn christmas do where i drink too much and you know <laughs> so does everybody else and uh you know I, I genuinely kind of miss those kind of social interactions because zoom's great but you don't you lose the small talk it's just it's just business isn't it really yeah so. yeah definitely. so hopefully we've got that to look forward to in the new year you know the kind of turn to seeing each other a lot more and um spending time going away would be great as well you know getting, getting bored would be absolutely would be I think um, that, you know, it's been tough, but I think there's still a lot to look forward to. There's still hope, there's still, uh, there's still opportunities on the horizon and it just, it's just about bolstering yourself, keep going and yeah. just, yeah. Hanging out with people who were yeah. going to kind of, you know, steer you away from talking about the mainstream media all the yeah. time because there are no other topics of conversation, not really. <laughs> so, you, you know, you've got to really make an effort to try and connect yeah. with people who are saying, okay, well, what are the opportunities? What can we do? How do we, how do we 
turn whatever's happening to our advantage? You know, how do we find the opportunities uh, here? And um, I definitely felt a lot happier when I'm hanging out with those people. Yes. Than, you know, spending time kind of hand wringing and reading the, I, I've, I've written a few articles on it this year about, you know, to, yeah. you know, don't keep looking at the news. Don't keep reading the yeah. paper. It's just going to depress you. Yeah. Our brains are not uh, designed to cope with that much negative information. So, and uh, it's a shame because obviously the, the meetings, the networking meetings that we used to go to were one of the primary sources of, of spending time with like-minded people who are on the same wavelength. They have similar goals and they are generally more proactive and more positive than, you know, just people who <laughs> look at the media and, and get swallowed in that kind of yeah. end up a victim of it all. Um, so I think, yes, like you say, you've definitely got to make an effort in either diverting the conversations or going to uh, find, I mean, I've been doing lots of online uh, online meetings for those the ones, the networking meetings. And I've managed to get to, for example, like the Leeds uh, property breakfast meeting. Uh, you know, I always wanted to go over to that, but the travel and now now i can join them online so um yeah look for the silver linings yeah absolutely absolutely always look for the Got silver to. linings yeah. always so well it's been a year it's been a year it's been 2020 <laughs> it's been a year without a doubt um you, you know I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic that 2021 will come with its challenges but you know as as we've said time and time again today you know we'll find that the ways to to get through that and to, and to thrive not just survive to thrive many many property people will so so on that note we're going to say i wish everybody a, a very happy christmas and a, a you know safe christmas or whatever you know we're, we're saying these days it's not going to be the same as, as usual um I'm, I'm going to miss my sort of christmas pints in the pub without a <laughs> doubt um and seeing sort of you know friends and stuff but Got, got to be thankful for what we've got yeah. um, and and look forward to the new year not necessarily new year's eve that's going to be weird yeah. <laughs> uh, but but the new year so so if you're listening to the podcast thanks for hanging out with us for yeah through this year <laughs> thanks for sticking with us and we we look forward to uh doing many more of these through through Absolutely. next year and beyond see you in the new year guys and um look forward to all of your stories and listen to you know interviewing lots of people who are uh you know everyone's doing their best i think that's just what we can sum up whether it's been tough or it's been a good year for you everyone's just doing their best to kind of keep going and, and make the most of it so uh wishing you all very merry christmas and uh, see you in the new year